With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One and welcome to your Tuesday. You know what comes after Tuesday, don't you? Yep, Wednesday and once we hit Wednesday, it's all downhill into the weekend. Mark Daly here welcoming you on board for this week's show and well, the first Formula One triple header in history is now history. Mr. Kerry giveth and he taketh away. We have a week off now between uh, the, the British Grand Prix and the German Grand Prix, which goes from the 20th to the 22nd. And then after that, the Hungarian Grand Prix, which rounds out the first dozen races of the season. And then we'll head into the summer break at the beginning of August. And then we're literally into the home stretch. Of course, after the summer break, there's still nine Grand Prix to go, starting with the Belgian Grand Prix and Monza, which are two of my favorite uh, races out of the entire season. But we're we're there. We're 50% of the way there almost. And uh, it's incredible to, to believe that we're already <laughs> literally halfway through the season as we speak. Doesn't seem like that long ago since we were just watching the lights go green in Australia at Melbourne a couple of months ago. But... That's part of the fun of Formula One, and if it's like anything it was this past weekend, then hopefully we're going to be in for for a treat. Of course, we have seen all the drivers from the top three teams winning this season. Well, maybe not poor Valtteri Bottas. It seems to be having all sorts of bad luck when it comes to to all the other guys in the top, well, especially in the top two teams. I think Danny Ricciardo and Max Verstappen, who have both won some uh, races this year, uh, have had their their fair share of bad luck and incidents, but definitely out of the top four drivers, I think that uh, poor old Valtteri Bottas must be shaking his head and, and scratching his uh, his head as well to, to figure out what he has to do to win a Grand Prix. He was looking good there for a little while at the end of the race. What after that uh, that that first safety car incident, and uh, when uh, they pitted Ferrari, uh, pitted uh, Sebastian Vettel, dropped him down to second. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. 
But my goodness, what a race that was. But it just wasn't the race. Even the qualifying was was fantastic. I uh, really enjoyed watching that. And then uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, just saying that he was shaking with emotion after he secured the pole at Silverstone this past weekend. And the top three cars, Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Raikkonen, all within a tenth of a second. And I think between Lewis Hamilton and Vettel was what, about four and a half hundredths of a second between the two of them. Fantastic stuff. I'd love to see it that, that close. Botas a little bit further behind. And then the, the the two Red Bulls on row three. Well, they they were the best of the rest and definitely were not any match for pace. I think even Christian Horner, team principal from Red Bull Racing, said that they were blown away or words to that effect uh, just uh, the, by the amount of speed and power that uh, Ferrari had. I believe that uh, the Scuderia made some uh, updates again for this uh, race in Great Britain this past weekend. And they plan- they had plenty and plenty of pace. But, well, it looked like at uh, one point it, it was going to be sort of touch and go. <laughs> there were lots of stories going on uh, on and off the track. One of them earlier in the weekend was, of course, Sebastian Vettel was dealing with uh, with a neck problem, thought that uh, he might not uh, be able to compete in, uh, in qualifying, but uh, he was able to do so. And uh, he was saying that uh, even after the race on Sunday, he was having some issues with the neck, but never thought that uh, they would keep him out of the race, said it might be a little bit sore afterwards, but... But that's just one of those things. Who said that Formula One wasn't a contact sport? Well, I guess it is. If uh, uh, Roman Grosjean and Carlos Sainz are to be, uh, were asked that question. But again, that's a little bit story we will get to a little bit later on. But the big contact of the, the, the afternoon happened on the first lap, turn three. Lewis Hamilton and Kimi Raikkonen came together after Hamilton had a poor start after qualifying so well to... Um, get the pole position in Britain, which I think he said was one of the hardest laps he ever drove in his entire career. And Lewis, he's he's an honest guy. He, I believe that uh, when he says things like that, I honestly believe that he's telling us the truth. And uh, if he said that's one of the hardest laps that he had to drove and he really had to dig deep to find something special to put his uh, Mercedes W09 on the pole at uh, Silverstone, that's exactly what happened. But it, it wasn't wasn't easy. I mean, he, he really had to fight for it. And I think he was really, really looking forward to getting out there and leading that race and winning it, which would have been his sixth British Grand Prix, which has really been a love-in for Lewis Hamilton over the past couple of years. I know uh, after last year, after he won the race, I think uh, one of the, uh, the the comments Lewis uh, made from the podium was something to the effect, pointed the people down just near the podium, said, you people down there, I'm kind of coming down there in a minute to do some crowd surfing. So you can tell that Lewis loves racing at Silverstone. He loves it even more when he rin- wins because I mean, it is a very pro Lewis Hamilton crowd. And of course, why wouldn't it be? He is the number one guy, one of the best racing drivers of all time in Formula One, of course. And uh, he loves to, to to celebrate with his fans, with the British fans at Silverstone. So that just didn't happen because, of course, uh, this uh, this past uh, weekend into turn three, after getting that uh, that poor start, he was passed by Sebastian Vettel, passed by his teammate Valtteri Bodas, dropped back to third. Kimi Raikkonen got a little bit uh, stuck uh, behind him 
momentum wasn't wasn't able to go one way or another. Got a little bit caught out. Wasn't uh, able to to get around Hamilton, or at least uh, by the time he realized how slow Hamilton was, uh, Vettel was already past him. Uh, Bodas was coming up the uh, the inside of uh, Sebastian. Sorry, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, and uh, Raikkonen got stuck in fourth position and was really pushing Lewis through those uh, first couple of uh, corners. But when they got to turn three, Lewis went a little bit deep, left the door open, and Kimi Raikkonen stuck his nose in and very much like Sebastian Vettel and Valtteri Bottas in France at Paul Ricard a couple of weeks ago, locked up his wheel, hit Lewis Hamilton's right rear tire with his left front tire, punted poor Lewis off of the track, dropped him right down to the very back of the race order, and Lewis had a very, very difficult job from there to get back into contention for this race. And uh, Kimi Raikkonen handed a 10-second penalty for his uh, his transgression there, knocking Lewis off the track. But there were so many things that were said, <clears throat> excuse me, after the race. Uh, one of the things that came out was uh, Kimi Raikkonen's wife said, suggested that Lewis Hamilton would be better taking up ballet. Mean to Raikkonen took a swipe at Lewis Hamilton after the race, saying that she doesn't like people who cry like a girl when they, they lose. And well, that's, you know, fair enough if you uh, have a complaint about somebody like that, but that's not a cool thing to say. Come on. I mean, uh, to, to suggest that uh, just because uh, somebody's upset that uh, they cry like a girl if they lose. And, you know, that's a bit of a mean comment. What does that have to do with uh, with anything? I don't like that. I think it's a, a very off base thing. Who cares if uh, uh, I don't think it matters that she's a woman making a comment about girls crying and stuff like that. I just think it's an off base comment. Don't like it at all. Lewis, of course, after the race, he was pretty upset uh, when he was uh, interviewed by Martin Brundle, uh, the Sky Sports uh, color commentator. He uh, made a quote about interesting uh, tactics by the other guys or something to, to that effect and just kind of kind of left it at that. It was interesting, too, when Lewis climbed out of the cockpit, I thought that he was really mad. I thought he was really upset after all of that because he, he didn't stick around in a park for May. He disappeared. He went up into the little holding room that they have just outside of the podium, kind of stuck to himself. Uh, Sebastian Vettel went up, kind of shook hands, kind of uh, briefly acknowledged them and said uh, a couple of words. Couldn't really pick up what it said, uh, what they said on the TV at the time. Didn't acknowledge Kimi Reich at all. So I thought that Lewis was pretty PO'd, to be quite honest. But afterwards, uh, Hamilton said that he was struggling to stand and he was physically exhausted and that the cars nowadays are so much more physically demanding than they were uh, just a couple of years ago. And that uh, was one of the things that they said when this uh, current package, these, the, these current cars were launched at the beginning of the 2017 season. And you, again, I, I believe things when when where Lewis when he says things like that, and he went all the way from the back of the grid to to finish second. Of course, he was helped uh, by those two safety car periods at the end of the race. But still, even if he finished in say the top four, or the top five, still a fantastic result. Now, obviously, both the uh, the the Ferraris had a lot of pace. So did the, both the Mercedes cars, and it was a little bit uh, too bad that um, he did have that coming together with Raikkonen at that front corner, but or that third corner. But it really Really did make for some uh, exciting racing and uh, exciting uh, moments uh, to watch because Lewis is one of those guys when he's determined, he just gives it his all and he he just completely flies. And you could tell just being at his home Grand Prix, he was extra motivated to really, really make it count and climb his way back into contention. Although uh, he was saying right at the beginning, very beginning uh, in the immediate aftermath of that accident uh, with uh, Kimi Raikkonen, he thought that he had some problems with his car, but his engineer 
very wisely just saying, hey, you know, the numbers look good. We don't see any problems, you know, just keep going. We can still make something out of it. You know, there's still points to be had. And I was kind of thinking, well, it'll be interesting to see because we saw a couple of weeks ago when Sebastian Vettel collided with Botas in France. Both of them ended up at uh, the, the back of the uh, the, the race order. Uh, that was it. Uh, Vettel ended up, I think, second from back and uh, Botas was dead last. And he struggled more because his uh, floor was damaged in, the, in that instance. But uh, Vettel, just like Hamilton, really clawed his way up through the race order. But when uh, he got up to fifth position, once he got around the the, the Red Bulls, uh, then that was uh, really about it. When the three cars in front of him, the two Mercedes, or sorry, the uh, not the two Mercedes, but uh, when he got behind his teammate uh, Kimi Raikkonen, then that gap stayed at about 17 or 18 seconds, and they were almost lapping identical times, and Lewis Hamilton was just that much faster, and it was just uh, too much of a gap for uh, Sebastian Vettel. But at Silverstone, Lewis didn't really have those problems. It was kind of interesting just to see how everything was sort of shaking out through with the, uh, the the different uh, pit stops and the different strategies and where uh, everybody would kind of end up. Uh, but Lewis, uh, good to see. Very, very exciting stuff. But just the going on more about the the, the comments uh, that uh, that he made, uh, Vettel said it was uh, silly to suggest that, uh, that uh, Kimi Raikkonen had uh, targeted uh, Lewis on purpose and uh, he just kind of brushed it off, kind of shrugged his shoulders and he said, oh yeah, well, these things happen and it's uh, silly to say that it was a uh, deliberate and he said he couldn't believe that uh, you, you could be that precise in order to take somebody else uh, out and then he referred to the incident that he had in France uh, when he collided with Botas and he said, you know, when it happened to me, I basically screwed my own race uh, after losing my front wing and of course, well, that was it and of course, not only did he screw himself but also Valtteri Bodas and just like his teammate Kimi Raikkonen uh, this past weekend at Silverstone Vettel got a, a stop and go penalty uh, five seconds for that incident this past weekend I think that's partly I think or at least this is my guess um, from the fact that after the French Grand Prix the Mercedes brass uh, notably uh, Nicky Lauda and Total Wolf very critical about the stewards at that point uh, or that race giving uh, Seb only five seconds for that uh, for that collision that he caused with Valtteri Bottas and said that it uh, should have been more uh, and 10 seconds for uh, for Kimi Raikkonen I, I think that was fair obviously that that extra five seconds that was tacked on uh, I, I think was a reflection of that but if you look uh, I believe that the, the the time for uh, a pit stop at Silverstone is about 19 seconds that it's going to cost you and that's going into the pits standing stationary and then leaving the pits to get back onto the, the, the racetrack get back up to racing speed so if you add on 5 seconds there's 24 if you add on uh, another 5 there you are at 29 that's a substantial amount of time and uh, you would really need uh, some uh, special or to, to find something special to make up uh, that uh, amount of time uh, even Nico Rock Rosberg, Lewis's former teammate and 2016 world champion, said that the, that the crash was 100% not on purpose on the behalf of uh, Kimi Raikkonen, and uh, he basically dismissed the uh, the idea that uh, that Kimi hit Lewis on, on purpose. And uh, I think that was uh, I, I think that was a fair comment as well. But uh, after the race, uh, Lewis, like I said, he said that he made uh, some reference to uh, to, uh, to uh, interesting tactics by uh, Ferrari. Total Wolf. Uh, he went on to question what uh, what Ferrari was doing, making something uh, quotes to the effect it's either incompetence or it's uh, deliberate. And then uh, Ferrari was uh, and quite rightfully so. Ferrari was upset, and uh, they uh, said that uh, that uh, Mercedes and Wolf should be ashamed. Those are the exact words that Ferrari used. They should be ashamed for making such accusations. 
And then the the only time where they shouldn't be ashamed of making some accusations is when Sebastian Vettel deliberately crashed his car into Lewis Hamilton at the 2017 Azerbaijan Grand Prix after that uh, that safety car incident, or actually during the safety car incident when he had that. Uh, I don't know, weird moment in his mind when he figured that Lewis was brake testing him and then pulled up alongside him and then deliberately steered his car into the uh, into the side of Lewis Hamilton. And obviously uh, that kicked off a huge controversy in which uh, I actually think was a, a real turning point in that season. I think that uh, Vettel really lost it. He saw red quite literally at that moment. But at that point, I think that they were a fair... Obviously, <laughs> they were correct in saying that they were uh, deliberate or, or Ferrari was being deliberate, and especially Sebastian Vettel in uh, causing a collision, which he paid for. Anyhow, just uh, talking a little bit more about that, but uh, just getting back to the start itself, it, it's all fair that that they should be or, or making the, these comments that they think that uh, that Ferrari's deliberately making these collisions with their with their guys. But very much like at France, Hamilton just like his teammate a couple of weeks ago, left the door open, went a little bit wide, left the door open, and almost invited the both of the Ferraris to try and dive up the inside. And I know it is literally a game of inches. I know you're responsible for your car. And I know that the race isn't one on the first lap. It's not one in the first couple of corners. But these guys, this, this is what they do. If they see an opening on the track, they will most times try to get uh, their, their way around. And, uh, and both of these instances... Both the Ferraris came off uh, worse for uh, wear, and uh, they were just fortunate, I think, this time that uh, Raikkonen and Lewis Hamilton were did not damage their car, and they went on to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to finish the race, and that's just racing. <laughs> that's just racing in my my opinion. But the other thing that I think is interesting, I think it's uh, maybe it's a situation that uh, that that Mercedes is not really used to i mean we've seen over the past couple of years obviously 2014 2015 2016 pretty much a mercedes dominance how many races did they win over those years how many one twos did they have how many podium front row uh, sorry front row lockouts did they have during qualifying it was in, in those years especially it was it was Hamilton and Rosberg just going back and forth last year not quite so much I mean obviously at least through the first half of the season Ferrari and uh, Sebastian Vettel were, were pushing but this year it's much more wide open we'll, we'll talk a little bit in a minute about the the, the driver's standing or standings and about the uh, the constructor set championship as well but uh, this year completely a different scenario than uh, what we've seen over the past couple of years. And honestly, and not to take anything uh, away from uh, Mercedes, but when they've been beaten over the past couple of years in the turbo hybrid area, they've completely gotten it wrong and they just have not had the pace. And you've watched uh, Ferrari or whoever get out in front and, and beat them fair and square. But this past weekend, they were very evenly matched again. Uh, they, they both had a lot of uh, power. It looked like Ferrari, especially at the beginning when uh, Vettel went out, uh, pulled ahead. He had uh, the, the the faster car, did end up uh, having some blistering issues on his left front tire when he went in for his uh, pit stop. So who knows? Maybe Seb cooked it, pushed it a little bit uh, too hard in that uh, first stint. But you, you could tell even though his lap times were slowing down when you compared him to not just, uh, well, Botas was kind of hanging back uh, in second place by a couple of seconds. 
but you could just compare, say, Sebastian Vettel at the front compared to Lewis Hamilton, who was carving his way through the field, was, uh, I think at some points, was about a second and a half uh, lap uh, faster than Sebastian Vettel, right up uh, to the point of that uh, that first pit stop. So perhaps Seb took a little bit too much out of his tires early on that stint, but in the end, uh, it didn't really cost him too much time. He, he went into the pits and still came back uh, out in the lead. So it uh, kind of stayed that way until pretty close until the end of the race. <laughs> but uh, at least uh, after though that, that safety car period really sort of shuffled things up. And uh, well, both of them did. <laughs> both those safety cars kind of really threw a, a double wrench into the works. And uh, when you had the Ferraris really mixing up with the Mercedes guys, I just don't know if they're really used to really mucking it up and 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 fighting it out with the guys uh, that that closely but uh, it was for me quite exciting to to watch so i don't think that uh, it was uh, really fair for them to 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 really point the finger at uh, Ferrari. Obviously, you should be upset about the, the the collision, like I say, but, you know, even ha- Hamilton, you know, I, the one thing I love about Lewis sometimes, I, it, you know, I, I think he says and does stuff that is maybe, I don't know, maybe questionable, but definitely, I think, displays that, that, that passion, that desire that he has. And you don't become a quadruple world champion by being a pushover. You you have to possibly you know, constantly push yourself, push your your team, and push the equipment that you have. I mean, skill just on its own is not going to get it done for you. I mean, Lewis obviously one of the fastest drivers. Well, I think obviously in this uh, current generation and uh, who knows, maybe one of the fastest drivers of all time. I mean, obviously, I think in the current group of drivers, I don't think over the course of one lap that there's anybody quicker than Lewis Hamilton. I think he's he's proven it time and time again. But uh, he, you know, he, he was the bigger man by the time it was uh, all said and done. Obviously, after the race, he, he was upset. He was tired. He was probably frustrated uh, to, to see another potential uh, race victory slip through his fingers through something that was uh, a racing incident and uh, uh, Raikkonen obviously uh, rightly uh, punished for it but he did say in, in the aftermath on uh, Monday he did take uh, to, to Instagram to say Kimmy said I'm sorry and I accept it and we move on it was a, a racing incident and nothing more sometimes we say dumb s blank 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 and we learn fr- from it so there you go. I think Lewis uh, being the bigger man at the, the end of the day. And come on. I mean, this is Lewis Hamilton. He's the best driver in the best team in arguably the best car in Formula One. We've got two more races here before the summer break and going to Germany in two weeks. That's going to be Mercedes home Grand Prix. Why, why wouldn't you favor Lewis Hamilton to, to come out flying? And, uh, you know, after that, that disappointing double DNF in Austria after that dominating weekend in France the week before these, these past two races in Austria and Great Britain haven't quite uh, gone uh, Mercedes and, and Hamilton's way and uh, now he's trailing Sebastian Vettel in the driver's championship you you know that Lewis is going to want to make that right he wants to get on a bit of a roll and I think for him getting a good good result at least one victory at either Germany at Hockenheim or at the Hungaro Ring in Hungary in two weeks' time, three two yeah two weeks' time will be the way that uh, Lewis can build some momentum and and really mount uh, or, or really make a, a solid start to the uh, run at a fifth world championship. Of course, there'll be nine races to run after the summer break, but uh, Lewis I think could uh, really start getting on a roll by getting some good results between now and then. But just uh, talking about those uh, two safety car periods, that that was kicked off uh, about 15, 12 to 15 laps from the end of the race. First of all, we had uh, Marcus Erickson in the Sauber spinning off by his own mistake, something uh, to do with the DRS going into that uh, first turn. 
just lost it. Lost the back of the car, spun off, went off the track, threw the gravel, crashed into the tires, which was a a double DNF for Sauber, which was very disappointing. Charles Leclerc, again, doing a wonderful job uh, finishing in the top 10 for qualifying and just disappointing that it was an improperly fitted tire. To Charles Leclerc says Sauber that uh, that cost him the, the the his Grand Prix. He was uh, running quite well, qualified like I say, qualified ninth to start start this one. And I mean, the, this this guy has been a, a revelation this year. And I know just talking to a, a lot of uh, you on Twitter uh, and just discussing who's been one of the the, the best surprises of 2019. Almost unanimously, most of the people that I talk to nowadays say that Charles Leclerc has been wonderful and that are hoping that he will be in driving for Ferrari next year. I mean, Kimi Raikkonen, out of contract at the end of this year, 39 years old. Maybe, you know, I I think that Botast does a very good job as Hamilton's number two, the number two at Mercedes. He pushes when he needs to. He can lead races. He can win races. He can qualify well. He can push the Ferraris. And Raikkonen... Not quite so good. If if Hamilton and uh, and Botas are one and two, and uh, Botas is the number two to that one two punch, I think that uh, Ferrari has a one maybe one and a half punch. It's not quite one two with uh, with Raikkonen because sometimes you know he'll get stuck behind a guy and uh, you know he'll maybe one of the Red Bulls or something, and he just seems that for whatever reason he's just not able or uh, unwilling or incapable of just punching through that 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 one to two second gap. I know sometimes it's difficult because of the arrow effect to, to, to pass these cars, but we've seen other drivers do it. But Raikkonen, sometimes I just don't think he's daring enough and just does not really do, do what it takes to, on a more consistent basis, that is to apply pressure to the Mercedes uh, drivers and really help his uh, his teammate out or, or maybe get in front of one of them and maybe, you know, <laughs> back him into somebody else, make their life difficult by having another driver trying to, to, to back into them. And uh, Charles Leclerc, I know he's young, 20 years old. know that Ferrari typically in their history has never given chances to, to young drivers like that. But I mean, he's this, this guy's doing a wonderful job in a Sauber of all cars. And you look at where his teammate Marcus Erickson is, not really scoring that many points, not really qualifying as good as Charles Leclerc is. And I mean, he's constantly getting into to Q3 and, uh, and racing very well in his uh, obviously one of the, I would say the slowest car on the grid, but obviously it is not one of the best. It is uh, definitely in the, the, the bottom, I'd say a couple of teams, uh, obviously speed wise, but uh, Charles Leclerc making a solid shout that he should be driving something other than a Sauber for 2019. Anyway, so so that uh, the, his teammate uh, Erickson is one that kicked off the first uh, safety car period. And then after that three laps, after they pulled his car out of the tires, got the, uh, the, the field back up and running, Roman Grosjean, Carlos Sainz tangle in almost the exact same position. Both of them end up in a heap in the gravel trap. Safety car comes back out. And of course, the the, the cars that had gone in previously under the first safety car, which was both Ferraris and the Red Bulls to, to change from those uh, harder compound tires, the mediums back onto the soft compounds for what was going to be about a 15 uh, lap sprint to, to the end. Left the two Mercedes cars on the harder compound tires. And you could tell that there was doubt in Lewis Hamilton's mind because 
after uh, we've seen some questionable tactics that uh, that really cost them uh, in the past couple of races. Sorry, not the past couple of races, but in Austria, that uh, Lewis was uh, really disappointed about that. And I know, obviously, uh, before uh, that that race was over, he retired just like his uh, teammate uh, Valtteri Bottas did. Uh, Lewis had that fuel pressure problem, I believe it was, which uh, ultimately ended his afternoon at the Red Bull ring, but you could tell he, he was questioning things over the radio and, you know, what were the other cars going in and uh, Vettel was leading at that point, but, uh, the, uh Ferrari gave up uh, that uh, position to, to Botas in the lead, which meant that, that Vettel came back out in P2, but having the, the, the softer tires. And I think really at that point, it was going to be a real question of who's got it right. The, the harder compound tower tires in the mediums that the two Mercedes had should have been able to, to go the, the, that, uh, the rest of the way, but were those soft tires that the, the the Red Bulls and the Ferrari switched to? Were they going to last long enough and be grippy enough, or was there there a danger that perhaps that they could take too much out of those tires before the end of the race? Ultimately, I think it was Red Bull and Ferrari that got it right. Of course, maybe uh, Max Verstappen didn't really get a chance to put that to, to the test. Obviously, he had some uh, mechanical issues that uh, that forced him out of the, uh, the 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 race at the end there, but. It was uh, the the two Ferraris. You could tell, especially after that second restart, Valtteri Bottas was just really struggling for grip. And it, it took a, a couple of tries, took a couple of laps before Lewis was able to, or sorry, not Lewis, but Sebastian was able to get around him. Lewis Hamilton was able to pass him as well. And then uh, Raikkonen as well to, uh, at, at the end, steal that P3 away from his uh, countrymen. But uh, Vettel really had to, to make a couple of goes to it. And uh, it was really interesting. If you, you read some of the quotes that uh, that came out after the race, just uh, basically the two things that the two diverging opinions or comments for for both of those uh, drivers. Botas said there there was nothing he could do to stop Vettel passing him, whereas uh, Vettel said I gave it everything to pass Valtteri Botas for the win. So really, really uh, interesting stuff, and it it, it was exciting. It was uh, good to see them. You, you could tell that that Botas was probably trying to be a little bit more conservative, just trying to stay out in front, not make any mistakes, and just maybe uh, really make uh, Vettel work for it, which he actually had to do. But you could tell that he he was really struggling for grip. So I think that if uh, that if um, uh, Ferrari and Red Bull got it right with those tire strategies, those so those spur the moment tire changes at the end of the race to go back onto the softer compound uh, tires were correct. At least when it came to the the, the Mercedes cars, that Hamilton's tires seemed to fare a little bit better than uh, Botas, as he still had uh, plenty of pace, was able to keep uh, keep pace with uh, the 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 two Ferraris. But uh, you know, after it was uh, all said and done, uh, Botas just uh, really. Could not uh, really keep in uh, contention there. So Kimi Raikkonen getting that P3 from, from him at the end. But uh, it uh, it was obviously very good stuff. But, you know, Total Wolf, the team principal at uh, Mercedes, he did defend the decision, even though, you can, like I was saying, that uh, Lewis was questioning his engineer. The engineer was coming back, you know, the, the, the tire wear, tire dag, everything, pressures, everything's looking good on the tires. The numbers look good. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really kind of insightful that, you had Lewis questioning things, obviously that's still playing in his mind, but just the engineer re- reassuring him, just giving him that uh, that information, hopefully that little bit of uh, confidence, because maybe maybe that, that that trust needs to be rebuilt a little 
bit. I mean that uh, I, I don't think that uh, that Lewis is inferring that his team is uh, incompetent by any stretch of the means, uh, but uh, I think that uh, obviously he wants to make sure that he has the the, the best opportunity to win. So I think at least from uh, like I say Lewis's point of view, everything worked out pretty good. So just talking about the Red Bulls now, obviously uh, poor old Max Verstappen, things didn't uh, really turn out too well for him at the end of that race. But of course, uh, when you look at uh, just the, uh, the the entire weekend as it was, that uh, they were down quite a ways and uh, compared to the, the other two teams. And you might expect that at, at a power circuit uh, like Silverstone, that that the the Red Bull and that Renault power unit are going to really struggle, and um, he Max at least uh, reckoned that Red Bull was uh, was missing something in the neighborhood of seventy to eighty horsepower, which is just way way too much compared to those top teams and or sorry the other two teams. And uh, if you look at that in terms of time on the track, that equates to about one second per lap. So that is uh, obviously a huge deficit to try and overcome. And of course, they just uh, were not able uh, to compete with the with the top teams. Now, of course, there were some uh, other issues that uh, went on, especially at the end of the race here. Uh, Pierre Gasly, he was uh, pretty upset with the stewards after he was uh, dropped back, uh, given a, a penalty, and that dropped him out of the, the, the top 10. And he la- labeled F1's penalty system as BS. I'll let you figure out what the rest of those uh, <laughs> expand on that uh, at any rate. And uh, so the he was uh, penalized uh, and uh, dropped from 10th to 13th uh, position. And that uh, was a result of the, um, the the incident, the coming together he had with Force India's Sergio Perez at uh, turn 17 when they were fighting over the 10th uh, the and final point uh, paying position. And uh, the stewards said, uh, decided that uh, he gained uh, the position unfairly after he, he barged into uh, Perez, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting because they've uh, said over the last year or so that they're going to be a little bit more lenient. They're going to let some things, uh, you know, these racing incidents, if you want to call them that, kind of uh, so maybe slide through and uh, and try not to get these guys to maybe think too much as to, well, should I make a pass here or not? I think that's one of the things that they want to do to try and uh, and encourage drivers and encourage overtaking in, in Formula One. But at this point, uh, obviously, they thought that uh, Pierre Gasly had, uh, had pushed it a little bit too far. So it's really kind of interesting to hear like the, again, a, divi- a diverging opinion between uh, uh, Pierre Gasly and Fernando Alonso, who hit out at what he called, quote unquote, soft stewarding at uh, Silverstone. And uh, that this came after the the stewards decided not to investigate an incident involving Alonso and Haas F1 driver Kevin Magnussen towards the end of the race. And uh, at that point, uh, Alonso was battling for Esteban Ocon for seventh uh, position after the safety second safety car. And he went uh, deep into Luffield Corner and left uh, the door a little bit open. Magnussen uh, was able to pass. And then uh, he... Uh, pushed uh, Alonso a little bit wide on the uh, the exit of the corner and uh, Alonso uh, put one wheel off in, uh, into the, the gravel and uh, Alonso attempted to fight back at Maggots on the same lap but uh, was cut off by Magnuson and then uh, he was finally able to retake the position at turn three on the very, very final lap, lap number 52 of the race. Uh, Alonso felt that the, uh, that the stewards should have uh, investigated, disappointed they didn't, but he said at least he was uh, 
uh, finally able to uh, regain that uh, that eighth position on the very final lap of the the, the race. Now, just uh, sticking with McLaren now, and this is a, a little bit of uh, of old news. And uh, about the, this time last week, the the news came out that Eric Boulier had uh, resigned, which I thought was kind of interesting, just uh, the way that uh, you know, it had like that sort of uh, that he decided to walk away. To me, I think it kind of. I I really kind of wonder if he was just given the sack as a racing director at uh, McLaren, and this was just a, the sort of the, the public manifestation of that, where he was allowed to to save a little bit of face uh, and say that uh, he was deciding to uh, take the uh, take all the blame for all the issues that uh, McLaren have had, and they've actually I I don't think it's any stretch of the uh, the imagination uh, to to say that uh, that McLaren have regressed after uh, some early season promise with the with the Renault power units but uh, they they've gone back at least to where they were with the Honda engines last year if not uh, if not even worse off than they were at least they're finishing races compared to a lot of DNFs that they had during the Honda engine era uh, or the the recent the latest Honda era at uh, at McLaren but uh, this year just uh, absolutely dire stuff but uh, Zach Brown the the McLaren CEO and said that uh, a return to the front of the grid is still says several seasons away after that they've rebuilt or they started this rebuilding process in in the past week and uh, that that of course was kicked off by uh, Boulier resigning but uh, Brown believes that the whole team needs to be uh, restructured and I think that's a uh, Interesting. I mean, he's not the uh, the first per- person to say that. There have been quite a, a few well-known names in uh, in in Formula One. I think John Barnard, the uh, the designer that uh, was also with McLaren in their glory years uh, in the late eighties and nineties. Well, one of their periods of uh, glory years, at any rate, had said the same thing that there was just uh, no way to to really uh, do it simply. That the the team really needed to be stripped and and rebuilt. And uh, perhaps uh, maybe um, McLaren's finally realizing that, and it could take several years. I mean, uh, look how long it took for Mercedes to really become a contender after they took over Braun Grand Prix after that uh, miraculous and impressive year that they had in 2009. I mean, it took them several years before they were uh, contending and pushing and winning world championships and races. I mean, Mercedes really did not become the dominant force that they were until the turbo hybrid engine era, which they invested a lot and lots of time and money into to be so prepared for the current era that we're in. And they've dominated it uh, ever since, In uh, which is now its uh, fifth season. But uh, absolutely a, a massive task ahead for Zach Brown and uh, McLaren. And and honestly, it's it's sad to see them at the back of the grid, just like it is equally sad to see um, uh, Williams at the back of the grid there. Sergey Sorotkin and uh, Lance Stroll both crashing in qualifying. And uh, you have the reserve driver, Robert Kubica, saying that the only good feature on the car this year is the paint scheme, which the martini colors look absolutely fantastic ever since they've uh, brought them on board as sponsor cars looked uh the, the car the paint scheme's been on point sadly the car has been getting worse and worse every year and to see them at the back of the grid starting from the pit lane i mean obviously we knew that brendan hartley was going to start from the pit lane and his toro rosso obviously he had that big scary shunt in free practice kept him out of qualifying on saturday and then they had to, to really uh rush to try to get the car going and put back together they were still trying to 
bolt pieces on as uh, the, 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 the teams were lining up and getting the cars ready to start the formation lap. And he only did a couple of laps before retiring the car. But he was the third, the, the, the two other cars in front of him, starting from the pit lane, both Williams. Absolutely sad. I think Sorokin is just... I don't think he's cut out for Formula One, and they they need a guy. They they I think they really do need an experienced driver to really help them to develop the car. I mean, the aero package that they 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 have for this year, it's a completely different than what they've had in the past couple of years. But they've they've completely missed the mark. Uh, the, the the aero package is just not good enough. And uh, you know, Lance Stroll is an interesting one. I've been kind of critical uh, about him, but he did have that P three in uh, Azerbaijan last year. I mean, we've seen from time to time, we've seen some some good moments from Lance. So <laughs> where, where does that leave us with Lance Stroll and, uh, and Sergei Sorotkin? Good question. But there there is no doubt that uh, that the car itself is uh, is just it's it's a complete lemon it's a complete dog and uh who knows maybe even <laughs> a bona fide driver that we know uh might not be able to do much more with it so perhaps we have to temper our criticism of Lance Stroll and Sergey Sorotkin just in the fact that we know that that FW41 is just a terrible car all right. Well, it's time to uh, to start wrapping this one up. And uh, just before I do, there are just a couple more points to, to touch on. And here in Canada, the Montreal, uh, in Montreal, the, the home of the Canadian Grand Prix at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve on Ile Notre Dame in the, the St. Lawrence Seaway, as uh, they've started the demolition of the existing pit lane facilities so that uh, they were all demolished last week as they start uh, construction for the new pit complex, which should be ready for next year's uh, Canadian Grand Prix, which usually goes the beginning of June. That's what the traditional or what's become the traditional date for the Canadian Grand Prix over the past several years. And uh, the, the old podium on which the likes of Ayrton Senna, Alan Prost, Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton, and and more have celebrated race wins has is gone, but uh, there there's a new and uh, more advanced and up to date uh, pit facilities and uh, the the buildings uh, and that pit lane that was moved to the current location in 1988, so it's been <laughs> been there for a very long time. So it's it's long overdue. So the race organizers were were in discussions with uh, with Bernie Ecclestone to keep the uh, the the race in Montreal until 2029, and uh, that was finally agreed to. And uh, the the rebuilding and that plan was all agreed as part of this uh, the, this deal. So uh, there, there is a bit of I guess a race to to get the the construction well and truly underway and up and running before the the winter sets in in Montreal. But come on, the, the 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 Canadian construction industry is is pretty strong, and I'm pretty sure that uh, that they have uh, a, a very competent construction group and and management team in place to get this done, so that the uh, the pit facilities will be completed and ready to go for the 2019 Canadian Grand Prix at the beginning of next summer. And finally, the last piece of news has to do with Haas F1 junior racer uh, Santino Ferrucci, who has been banned from the next four Formula 2 races. And this uh, comes after the uh, the American youngster deliberately drove into his uh, teammate Aryan Maini at the end of the F2 race at Silverstone uh, this past weekend. And uh, Ferrucci and his father were accused of unsportsmanlike and uncivilized conduct uh, by his own F2 team, Trident. 
So uh, Haas F1 have not uh, said anything more other than that they're waiting to gather all the pertinent information. And uh, Gunther Steiner, the, uh, the the team boss at Haas F1, has only uh, arrived back at the team's uh, headquarters in the United States uh, after uh, the uh, the British Grand Prix on Sunday. So we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out over the next next couple of days. But uh, Ferrucci uh, obviously overstepping things. And judging by the outrage on Twitter, there are not very very many Santino Ferrucci fans and a lot of people uh, looking or, or calling for him to to be let go by Haas and uh, well we were talking at the beginning of the race uh, or sorry the beginning of the show all about uh, Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton and and, and Kimi Raikkonen and Valtteri Bodas and all the comings together that we've seen with these guys over the past couple of races but uh, Ferrucci definitely taking that to a, to a different level. It was pretty obvious from everything that I've heard. Uh, I haven't seen it myself, but at least all the everything I've seen in uh, this uh, that little quote that I read came from Nate Saunders, uh, the associate F1 editor at ESPN UK. So we'll wait and see what uh, comes out of that. Anyways, it's time to, to wrap this one up and dim the lights here in my studio. Before I go, I just want to give a shout out to the new Twitter followers for for the show and that uh, our our Twitter handle is at Scuderia F1 Pod. And a big shout out to Shimikawa Naoko, F1 Stats, Oana Papuyu, Gav, and Gatsby. So thank you all very much for the follows. Give me a follow here on Twitter and I'll give you a follow back. Love talking about Formula One, talking about motorsports, and well, basically whatever's on your mind. So give me a follow, send me a tweet. Love to to get in touch and uh, and talk with other Formula One fans uh, around the world. And of course, if you could always also do us a solid and leave us a, a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download and listen to this show, it would be much appreciated. World Cup final goes uh, this weekend. Don't know who that's uh, going to be, but once that's over, that means my friend and co-host Kevin Laramie will finally be back from World Cup duty. And I'm looking forward to Kevin coming back because, guys, honestly, as much as I love doing this, it's a lot of work to research the show, put together all the show notes, produce this thing, do all the post-editing and the post-production, and sit here and talk for 30 to 45 minutes without the benefit of uh, bouncing different topics uh, off of my my co-host and trying to to pull out all sort of pertinent uh, information and, and facts. And that reminds me, just before I do go, just wanted just to quickly bring you all up to date on the, uh, the Drivers' Championship. Top uh, five drivers are in order. Sebastian Vettel, 171 points. Lewis Hamilton in second, 163 points. Followed by Kimi Raikkonen with 116, Danny Ricciardo with 106, and Valtteri Bottas rounding out the top five drivers in the World Championship with 104 points. Constructors uh, Championship, Ferrari leading the way with 287 points, 20 points ahead with Mercedes with 267. Red Bull Racing making a, a, a better year of it so far with 199 points. Renault with 70 points in fourth position and Haas with 51 in uh, the, the fifth place in the Constructors' Championship. Anyways, that's it. Time for me to wrap this one up. Thank you all very much for listening to the podcast this week. We'll catch you again soon. And until next time, have a great week. And I'll be back and talking to you again very soon, I guess. (laughs) That's it, guys. Have a great week. I'm out of here. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com. Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from? Space. Some regions are vast and empty. Other areas we call closets. Fortunately, Kevin from the Container Store has answers. Hmm, right. Kevin, what gives you the power over space? I'd say Alpha Customizable Closets. With free design and Alpha's adjustable shelving and drawers, I can create space in any size closet. Kevin, master of space and closets. Or just Kevin. Plus, right now, save 30% on Alpha and installation and earn up to $500 in credit through February 10th. At the Container Store, where space comes from. Where is that music coming from?